Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Sunday, November 12th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. After 9-11, I thought a lot about the zealotry of the, of the terrorists that struck the towers and did the other damage as well, both in Schwenksville and at the Pentagon. And the thing that I came up with that sort of riveted me around how it happened meaning how they came to do that, was their certainty. Those terrorists, those Islamist extremists, were certain about what they believed. They had absolutely no room for doubt. They were certain. Now, what they believed in was insane, but they were certainly insane. They were certain in their insanity. So it begs the question, how do you get that kind of zealotry where there is no questioning and there's no doubt? Well, in Islam, you get it from the Quran. The Quran is a pretty violent spiritual guidebook, I would say. It specifically directs Muslims to kill Jews, to kill all non-believers, It gives them permission to do that. And the Hadith, which is supplemental to the Quran, fortifies the obligation to do that. So in Islam, you have the Quran. In communism, you get that kind of zealotry out of fear of punishment or death by the state. In socialism, you get that kind of zealotry from a false belief in a government-run utopia. And in wokeism, that kind of zealotry comes from a rejection of everything that is and a desire to destroy without reason or without a plan to rebuild. So if we discount Islam and communism and socialism and wokeism, where does that leave the rest of us? Where does that leave Christians and Jews who have the freedom within their spiritual system of belief to question and to doubt. Well, the freedom to question and doubt is both a blessing and a curse. And I say that because the blessing is that honest questioning. When you when you ask a question and you aren't asking it to prove the other point wrong, you're asking it genuinely so you can understand more about the issue at hand. Honest questioning and dialogue with another who maybe can help clarify or even challenge you in what you are questioning, helps to clarify your foundational beliefs. That's the blessing of the freedom to question and doubt. The curse on the other side is that it waters down the kind of certainty that Islamists and communists and socialists and wokists have. You know, on a spectrum, 
there are degrees from good all the way to evil, just like there are from light all the way to dark. And if you're looking on the, let's say, the moderate or the low end of good, you have things like being pleasant or being kind. And if you go all the way to the far end of the spectrum of good, maybe you find altruism. On the spectrum of evil, you have everything from on one low end, maybe being bad or unkind, all the way to the other end of the spectrum of evil, which is demonic. On that spectrum of good and evil, the Nazis, if you recall, and you know your history, tried to hide their crimes. They didn't want the world to know what they were doing. In fact, when the Germans realized they were about to lose the war, they went about trying to destroy all of the physical evidence that indicated what they had done. The opposite of that is Hamas. Hamas celebrates what it does. Hamas celebrates its atrocities. They film their atrocities. They post their atrocities. They take responsibility for their atrocities. They are that other end, that far end of that spectrum of good and evil. They are demonic. It is the only word that comes close to describing what they are. And I'm not even sure it's enough, but it's the only word we have. I hear along that spectrum that not everyone in Gaza is Hamas, that there are moderate Palestinians, that there are Palestinians who do not support Hamas and do not advocate or condone what Hamas has done. So my question is, where are they? Where are the Palestinians? Where are the people in Gaza who have condemned Hamas? Because 40% of Gazans elected Hamas in 2005. And Palestinians celebrate every single successful shaheed or martyr suicide. These bombers, these suicide bombers, when they are successful, as you use that word, and I use that word loosely, when they're successful at killing Israelis by strapping bombs to their bodies and blowing up innocent Israelis in public settings, people in Gaza go out into the streets, pass out candy, and celebrate the suicide bombers' atrocity. So where are the moderate Palestinians? In fact, where are the Muslims globally who do not support Hamas? Because there are billions with a B of Muslims globally. So where are they? Where are their voices if they exist? I guess equally as important is the question, what kind of state you know, the two-state solution we hear so much about, which in and of itself is a farce, and I'll say why in a moment, but what kind of two-state solution do they want? What kind of state do the people in Gaza want? Well, there seems to be no answer, because every proposal that has ever been made to offer them a state of their own, independent, has been rejected. All the way back to Clinton, it's been rejected. Because what they really want is a post-Israel Palestine. They want a Palestine that is 
free of Jews. They don't want an Israel to exist. It's in the charter of Hamas, and it is in fact what that cry from the river to the sea means. They're chanting for a free Palestine. That's what I hear all across college campuses and worldwide, a free Palestine, free Palestine. Let me tell you what free Palestine is. It already exists. Free Palestine is Israel. The two plus million Israeli Arabs, Arabs who live inside of Israel proper, not in what they call the West Bank, which is Judea and Samaria, not in Gaza, the two million plus Arabs who live in Israel proper, they have equal civil rights, they vote, they have an Arab political party, they have a seat in the Knesset, Israeli's parliament, and they have an Arab on the Supreme Court. Those two million plus Arabs are living in free Palestine. It just happens to be called Israel. And it isn't Israel that they want to be free of, those Palestinians in Gaza, if they exist and they don't support Hamas. It's Hamas they want to be free of. That's who Palestine, in quote, needs to be free of. You know, Gaza, geographically, has Mediterranean beachfront property, and it has had billions of dollars flowing into it from countries around the world, including the United States, billions and billions of dollars, endless amounts of infrastructure material. The question is, why are those people still living like in a third world country? Why is that? Where's the money? Where did it go? Where are the materials for the infrastructure? Where did they go? Well, we know where the money went. The money went to the ruling elite, to Hamas, and to their leaders who have villas in Qatar, in Qatar. That's where the money is. And the material, the infrastructure material, it was turned into underground tunnels and missiles. There's documentation on that. I, I don't make it up. It's not wishful thinking, believe me, by any means. I'm reading a book called The Rape of the Mind by Juiced Mirlu. There's a quote, actually two quotes I want to read you. One is this. To the degree that the individual is made an object of constant mental manipulation, to the degree that cultural institutions may tend to weaken intellectual and spiritual strength, to the degree that knowledge of the mind is used to tame and condition people instead of educating them, to that degree does the culture itself produce men and women who are predisposed to accept an authoritarian way of life. The man who has no mind of his own can easily become a pawn of a would-be dictator. And the second quote is, Hitler tried to paralyze Europe with the threat of terror, his own boast of his own ruthlessness. This is the weapon of psychological shock. Hitler kept his enemies in a state of constant confusion and diplomatic upheaval. They never knew what this unpredictable madman was going to do next. Strategical mental shocks were the instruments the Nazis used. 
When that happens, the enemy feels compelled to deny the propagandistic lies or to explain things as they really are. And these actions immediately put him in the weaker defensive position. For the galloping lie can never be overtaken. It can only be overthrown. Why did I read you those two quotes? I read you the first quote because of the line in particular that says, to the degree that knowledge of the mind is used to tame and condition people instead of educating them. Isn't that what has happened in our universities? Isn't that why this whole free Palestine mantra is being played out across college campuses? Why these college students are so filled with hatred and misinformation about Israel? It's because those institutions have been used for decades, for decades now, 40 plus years, to basically brainwash and provide college students with misinformation, and even younger than college students, our whole educational system, but particularly in colleges, because now it is known factually that Qatar and other Middle Eastern countries have donated, again, B, billions of dollars to our universities in order to control curriculum, in order to manipulate it. So those institutions have been misused, and those students who are out there don't even know what they're yelling about. They don't have the factual history. They don't have the reality check of what has actually gone on in the Middle East historically and what is going on in the Middle East today. They don't know. They don't understand. They are blindly parroting very superficial ideas that have no basis in fact. And it's incredibly dangerous because those people are the leaders of tomorrow. And look where they are today. I read you the second quote about Hitler and the power of terror and instilling fear because that's exactly what Hamas did. And that's exactly what radical Islam does. It uses fear and terror to make people afraid to deal with them, afraid to respond to them, afraid of what they might do next. You know, on that gradation scale that I mentioned earlier, that spectrum of good and evil, and I talk about just now, I spoke about how Hamas and radical Islam uses fear to keep people from responding. Well, you know, further back on that spectrum, not all the way at the end of evil, that one of the reasons the world was quiet during the Trump administration was because they didn't know what he would do next. He was, in a sense, a moderated version of using that same principle, which is, if people are afraid of what you might do, it causes them to think twice before they themselves act. Of course, Hamas has taken it to a whole new level of demonic action, which I mentioned earlier. But there's merit in this concept of you can not back down. It's like with a bully. A bully will only bully people who don't stand up to them. The minute you stand up to them, the bully is like... The analogy I like to use is that when a little bit of light enters a dark room, what happens? Well, the darkness pretty much is obliterated because it can't exist in the presence of light. A bully can't exist in the presence of someone who stands up for themselves. Hamas, radical Islam, communism, socialism, wokeism, all of it can't stand up in the face of people who are willing to stand up. 
for the opposite of the darkness, who are willing to stand up for the light. So as I said previously, what are we up against? Well, we're up against the certainty of Islam, communism, socialism, and wokeism. Okay, that's what we're up against. How do we prevail? How do we survive? Well, Rome was a republic just like us, and it didn't last. Athens was a republic just like us, and it didn't last. It is a grave mistake to think ours will last if we passively watch it being deliberately dismantled and destroyed by four other groups who have the certainty of their insanity. Look, there are always people, there will always be people who are ready and willing to take your power away from you if you're not willing to hold on to it and use it in a way that they want, even if it isn't a way that you would have wanted or used it. Technology has given those kinds of people in our lifetime unprecedented opportunity to do just that, to take away your power, to manipulate your mind, to inundate you with crises after crises and fearfulness after fearfulness. I think personally we're all blessed to have lived now. Blessed. And here's why. You were born for this. You were born for now. You were born for this chaos. You were born for what October 7th caused. And I'll tell you what it caused. In Israel, it caused unity among Israelis who had been internally and politically divided, snapping at each other, having lost all perspective of what's important. Well, October 7th brought them home to what's important, and now they are united with certainty. They were shocked into getting their priorities straight. That was the good that came out of the bad. We may soon find ourselves here in the United States similarly shocked. Our border is open, our southern border, and those same demonic people who did what they did on October 7th, have their counterparts that are here in this country. I hope and pray it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, I hope and pray that we respond with the unity that Israel has responded to its crisis. October 7th set forth a clear choice for you and for me, for the world. It's the choice between light and darkness. It's the choice between good and evil. This is your job. This is my job. This is it. This is it, everybody. Everything in your life, everything in my life up until now has been a dress rehearsal. This is the live performance. Curtain up. We can show up or we cannot show up. But in this situation, at this time, how you choose, how I choose, will determine not only what happens to the future of humanity, it'll also determine what happens to our eternal souls. You know, there is an expression, how you live is how you will die. And what it means is, is that if you live your life fearful, you will approach death the same way. And if you live life 
founded and grounded in principles and values that you believe in, and if when they are challenged, you stand for what you know to be true, that's similarly how you will face death. This is, without a doubt, the most important free will decision of your lifetime and my lifetime. Let's choose wisely. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next Sunday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.